All right, we got the second take. We got to try number two. Because the earlier take didn't record. We got Glove Talk. I'm here with my boy, Jose. Hey, it's fine, man. Hey, listen, I'm never going to run out of stuff to talk about when it comes to this great sport. So, right. so what this is going to be, basically, we're going to talk about MMA fights last night and the fights coming up in the next card and the big MMA news. Basically, I get to clown Derek Lewis for now. So, I'll take yeah, it. They got to stop having Derek Lewis be like pushing these fight night cards because he's just not that big of a draw. I think I don't even think he's a co-main anymore. I think he needs to be like a, a start of a main card type of fighter. Something like that. He is the Derek Brunson of the heavyweight division. Nah, yep. I, I'd give Derek Brunson Gatekeeper. a little more... I'd give Derek Brunson a little more props because Derek Brunson can beat like some of the top like fifteen guys. Let's be honest. By I just mean, wrestling. Yeah, the Derek Lewis knocked out <laughs> Curtis Blades, so But if they rematch, I think Curtis Blades wins. Oh yeah, fight. oh yeah. <laughs> but going on to the first fight, we got early prelims. This is one of the only fights in the prelims I was excited for. Was the, the Tatsuro Taro versus uh Jesus Aguilar. Taro right. with the what was that, like a hybrid triangle arm bar? Yeah, yeah, bro. Tyra's Tyra, Tyra's a monster. He's been hyped up as a really solid prospect for the UFC. I mean, dude, you look at these stats. Like he man had five strikes, bro. Three, almost four minutes of control, one takedown, two sub attempts, and just like hot knife through butter. This is right now. He's like thirteen and zero now. Yep. Yeah, man, thirteen and zero, and he's super young. I mean, what is just, it? What is his submission like? What is his finish rate? Is it like all finishes? Um, I don't think it's all finishes. I mean, either way, like, Tyra has been... It's a pretty good record. For how young he is, man. I mean, to find a guy like that, it's just... He's got 10 finishes and 13 fights at, what is it, 23 years old. That's insane. It's like K-pop stuff. And, and the thing is, Japan's kind of started to make a rise again. And this, that was part of what this card was, was the road to the UFC thing, kind of putting Japan, Singapore, um, South Korea, those countries kind of back on the map. And I think it, it's deserving, man. Listen, um, Japan, rich history, martial arts. We need uh, we need good Japanese fighters in the sport. Yeah, I think uh, you know they're building that facility over there. They're building the facility yep. in Australia yep. too, right? Yep. So they're probably yep. just trying to hit that side of the world and Abu Dhabi as well. So they're just trying to, you know, increase the market, which I think right, that's, right. that's where MMA has the big advantage over these other sports. I think they just have more appeal globally because everywhere, every every country's had to fight. In so. Right. Well, I think the difference is too, like for the, the NBA, for example, which has the, the biggest reach um, outside of soccer and MMA, um, in terms of one league, like the NBA. Yes, they have big TV deals in other countries, but in terms of getting players from those countries to play, it's tough when you have a five-on-five five compared to MMA, where dude, it's anybody versus anybody. Right? Yeah. You could you can find like Francis Ngannou came from literally digging sand in Africa to going to France to becoming a world champion. I mean, that's the beauty of the sport, man. The reach, the reach never ends. You know? And I think what they're doing, opening those facilities, is great. I mean, look at China. We got Wei Li coming out and all that. I love it. I love it, man. And then um, another big thing that happened to have last night was that Herb Dean stoppage. Like, this is the thing I always, like, say about Herb Dean. Like, he's always, like, so indecisive with stopping fights. He's either, like, he's, like, always in the middle. He's, like, you got to either stop the fight or, you know, let the fight go on. You can't be in these situations where you're in and out. Then you get the situation where you get a fighter hurt and stuff like that. Two things come to mind. Smoking that Herb Dean. When I think of Herb Dean. The one we posted on our page, the Herbert versus uh, Trinaldo fight, and then the Kai Car France versus uh um, what's his face? You know what I'm talking about, the one with the little bun. When Kai Car France had him knocked out, Herb was like, "Nah, hit him one more time." Okay, now you're done. Like, it... listen, man. That was Herzog, actually. Yeah. Jason Herzog. Yeah. So I mm-hmm. guess that was Herb Dean's. The thing with Herb is, man, like it used to be Mario Yamasaki in the back halls. And before him, it was Eve Levine. And before him, it was Steve Mazzagatti. It just sucks. It's got to be Herb now, man. I thought Herb would have been the one to kind of like, you know, not 
Because you expect this out of like Dan Mergliata and guys like that, but nah, man, Herb was always like the gold standard. Now it's just, I don't know, man. I think, listen, his head might not be in it. Who knows? Either way, when you're if you're making bad decisions as, as someone who's entrusted with the safety of the fighters and all that, it might be time for him to like, hey, work less. Honestly, only do like the big, big pay per view fights. Does he work a yeah. lot of? Does he work in other industries or other organizations like these other refs do? Like, does he do like the slap? Does he do like Bellator? Does he do like stuff like that? I don't think he does Bellator. I don't think so. Um, which is rare because a lot of these guys like Mark Goddard and that kind of get shared and stuff. Mike Beltron too. Like, no, I think I think Herb only does UFC from what I've seen. Um, I may be wrong, but and the thing is with Bellator, that's the issue with commissioning and. and refs and stuff is these guys got to fly out to florida fly out to abu dhabi fly out to all these places to rep fights it's kind of what happened with the judging controversy a few a uh, few parts ago where it's like we can't have people dictating these fights that got to fly across country or fly out of the country mm-hmm. week in week out all that stuff you know so what do you do do you have more refs do you have a better way to you know police refs and what they do it's, it's a tough discussion because there's not really a good answer for i don't really think it's that big of a problem yet right now so no, refing isn't judging is judging judging is, is, yeah. is last night we'll get to the duo choice fight judging's a problem so we we released our picks on our instagram for our fight but this is like one of those mid cards where like these these fights are like super close and none of these fighters really like like there's different levels, and but these fighters are all kind of like in the same level. So, a lot of our picks are actually wrong. I think on the first fight, the Kinoshita fight versus Adam Fuji. I think what we both said Kinoshita. You have Fuji. You have Fuji. I have Kinoshita, and bro, <laughs> oh my gosh, man! Kinoshita, but when he got pushed up against the cage on the first exchange, you could tell his face. He he knew he knew he was in trouble. Yeah, like man was getting elbowed from Mount. Like it was. Listen, he's young. He can come back, bro, but, man, he got taken to school. Adam Fugit's style is just, like, wild. Like, he just has a wild style, like, no defense. Yeah. No defense to come forward, like, aggressive. Then the next time we had Dude Choi versus Kyle Nelson. I had Kyle Nelson winning the fight. I thought he was going to utilize more leg kicks. But because he has some killer leg kicks, but he didn't really – I mean, he threw a couple. So, so the interesting thing about this fight, so – Nelson had five takedowns to Duho Choi zero, but most of the takedowns were nullified by Choi. Um, control time, Nelson had a minute 30 more, but he didn't really do much damage with his control time. In fact, Nelson was the one that ended up bleeding, uh, headbutt or not. You look at the strikes, Duho Choi, 79 to 39 total strikes, 50 significant strikes to 20 significant strikes, more leg kicks, more, more. the only thing he was close was head, head strikes. So for me, it was a matter of I think without the headbutt, I think Duho Choi gets that decision. Um, to the ref that scored it twenty nine twenty seven, I don't, I don't know what he was watching. I think everybody else had it right. One of those other judges calls. Yeah, yeah, and the, I think everybody else had it right. Where twenty eight twenty eight with a one point deduction is probably the way to go. I think without that headbutt penalty. Duho Choi wins it. He was winning the the exchanges on the feet. He was definitely other than the first round when he got wobbled and knocked down by Nelson. I mean, Duho Choi was out of the octagon for three years, and he looked like he didn't miss his, a beat. In my but hey, they both. I think in a way, they both came out winning from this. Both guys didn't look bad necessarily. Yeah, just happens. Um, yeah, it was just another one of those fights where the guys are just evenly matched. Like, you know. and then we had the Marcin Tiberio. Versus the even on fight, I will say this: Tyburo, he's not the best fighter, but I always respect anybody who took who helped take Greg Hardy out of the UFC. I respect for yeah. anybody for that. Yeah, which also begs the question: What was even off doing? Oh my goodness, man! Like, I don't know. I, thought, it, I don't know. This fight was as close. I feel like whoever. Less than stats-wise, man, it was a lot less close than I thought, honestly. I mean, Tybora... It was because there wasn't a lot going on. 
Right. I think fights like that where, where you don't have many exchanges, but the ones that happen kind of end up mattering. Especially three round fights. This is what happens. It wasn't impressive. Both guys did not impress me at all. Um, listen, it's a number 10 heavyweight fighter versus number 15 heavyweight fighter. I didn't expect much, but yeah, it happened. Then we had the Devin Clark junk fight, which Devin Clark was talking about how he's going to come out, be more aggressive, and throw more. But he really didn't throw that much. Okay, this is what Devin Clark meant by being more aggressive. Like, okay, fight starts, he throws himself in the takedowns. Cool, dude. He has the takedown. He takes him down, and then he gets swept, and he ends up on the bottom. That's, I think Devin Clark's issue before was he wasn't aggressive enough, um, and the IQ, the decisions weren't there. Now it's he's almost too aggressive where he's putting himself in positions where a fighter better than, than Jung knocks him out, in my opinion, because he was putting himself in some very vulnerable positions in the fight. I mean, Jung has more, had more control time than, than Clark in the fight, and you wouldn't think it watching the fight. Jung had a couple he had a couple opportunities to win the fight. He had a couple submission opportunities. I think he had a yeah, he had his back, he had back control. Yeah. He could have got a rear naked choke, but he was too high. Yep. Um, his hip it wasn't really hip to hip. It was kind of higher than the hips, and he got he got slid yeah, off. And Clark had opportunities to win as well, and didn't take them. So I mean, it, listen, he he's eight and seven in the UFC now. Devin Clark is all his losses come in the UFC. Um, some of his losses have been worse than others in terms of like the names he's lost to. I think he's just going to keep being one of those mid-card guys until he shows a difference. Um, I wasn't impressed by the fight. I wasn't. It was very sloppy technique from both guys. It is, it is. Again, like I said, this card, like you were talking about, this card is one of those mid-cards. Very thin. Very thin card for this to be a coming event. And I swear this, like, not, I feel like the last, like, not, like, this year, but, like, the last, like, six or eight months, we've been having a lot of mid-fight night cards. Mm-hmm. Like the pay per views, I'd say they've been hitting. Like the pay per views are spot on most time. Uh, these these fight night cards sometimes are just like Derek Lewis. I think the last good fight night was uh, Dan Hagen versus Song Dong. Honestly, yeah, and then something, then always too when it's a good fight night main card, like an injury always happens. Like if you look at Brian Ortega yep. versus Yair or something like that. Like something crazy always mm-hmm. happens. So I don't know what they're gonna do. I mean, they're getting more and more fighters, so they, it's gonna get more and more entertaining, but. I think they need to. I, I get it. They have the apex. Um, they need to get more fights out of the apex. I think when when fighters have a crowd behind them and stuff, it just produces a better card, in my opinion. I mean, dude, Cheeto Vera, Dominic Cruz, um, is one of those examples. Uh, dude, that 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 whole card from top to bottom was so good, and it was because you could market like this card with all the Asian fighters on it. Do this fight night in. Uh, Japan, do in Japan. This card would have produced so much better. They, yeah, money wise, they support fighting fighters, no matter the name. They they just like fighting, right? In Japan, and and the fighters would have felt more emotionally into it. I think when you put the fighters in front of an empty gym, where it's just the coaches yelling and everybody hears, everybody hears the commentary yelling. It's just, I, listen, this was bred out of necessity during COVID. I get that, and I appreciate Dana for doing that, but it's, it's wearing out, man. With cards like this, like. Even the the San Diego Song and Nong fight was a great fight. It deserved a crowd. Yeah, that's the problem I have with the Apex. Then we had the main main the main event fight. We had Derek Lewis versus Spivak. Um, I had Spivak winning this fight. I think you had Spivak winning the fight as well. Oh, I had to. When he got he got I the one to. with the the submission, I like the most. The most available submission I think in the UFC is the head and arm choke. Um, that gift wrap into arm triangle every time, every time. If you got a guy in side control, they will get desperate. If they don't know how to square up and get their slide their knees under your body, they're just gonna flail with their arm. Yeah. Boom, arm triangle every time. Um I'm not gonna lie to you, bro. I don't know what Derek Lewis's credentials are in grappling, um, at his gym, what his coaches gave him. Uh, but he needs to go back to white belt if he's above white belt. I'm gonna be honest with you. It's just it's it's bad. He threw three strikes. And landed zero. This man is the most notorious knockout artist in UFC history, and got taken down six times in three minutes. Like it was getting ragdolled too. That little getting the arm, dropping him, dropping him, dro- like 
Listen, Spivak impressed me. I think, it, yes, Derek Lewis is the most technically gifted fighter, but to ragdoll a guy that big, it's impressive. So what do you think is next for Derek Lewis then? I think he, goes, you know my thoughts think he needs to go to PFL and try to get the bag. Listen, him and Francis in PFL. It's the best they're going to do. Him and Francis in PFL, bro. That's the – listen, I'm sorry. You, you, Derek Lewis – you got to market him as like a uh, freak show fight, if that makes sense. Where it's like, this guy's strength is knockouts. We're going to have him fight for knockouts. And so, I don't know, try boxing. Fight Deontay Wilder. I, I don't know. I just I think Derek Lewis he's in the not, UFC, the not, options are very limited now. He does not have the very limited. to do any boxing. He doesn't have much to do much. His last three or four UFC fights, he's looked very, very bad. Um, I don't know, bro. Because whether okay, down the list, Ty Tuivasa. Yes, he was in there for most of the fight, and then Ty just put him to sleep. Yeah, uh, surreal gone. I think Derek Lewis is the same Derek Lewis who fight Ty Tuivasa anyway. No, no, and, Sur- and surreal gone made sure of that too. Uh, his last fight against uh Pavlovich was it or something like that? It wasn't yeah. Pavlovich. It was no, it was the other guy. Yeah, it was Popovich. It was Popovich. Yeah, again, put him to sleep. Like, just. And then then it's weird, though, because then he could beat a guy like. He could beat Dawkins, though. Like, he could beat a guy like. Yeah, or first place. You know, and so. And the thing is, people are like, oh, that the last one was an early stoppage. I'm like, listen, he wasn't recovering from the position he was in. He just wasn't. I mean, and and that's that's the problem. He lets himself get in these positions. For all the talent he has with his hands or whatever, it's just, dude. If your grappling's not there, it's not there. Go do something that's just hands. Go do PFL. Go do bare knuckle. Go do bare knuckle. Go oh, yeah, do bare knuckle. knuckle. Oh yeah, bare knuckle. Yeah, let Terry lose. Bro, let Terry lose. Make his bag in Florida doing bare knuckle. Sorry, like, who else is he gonna fight in the UFC? He he can't drop down to a prelim fighter. His name doesn't allow that. It's just. He's not a main card guy, in my opinion. So I don't know what to do. I mean, they push him like he's a main card guy over and over again. I'm like, I'm tired of seeing it, honestly. Like, I wasn't excited to watch like Derek Lewis fight this time mm-hmm. or the last time. <laughs> oh, I agree. And then, um, so we got to talk about the the pound for pound card coming up, the big one, Islamakov Alexander Volkanovski in Perth. I'm looking at this card. And, oh my gosh, man! I think, uh, scale scale of one to ten. I think they still got some fights they got to make, or they got to put some opponents in here. I see one they do. Um, but right now, I'd give this a eight, eight out of ten. I think they're not promoting it right. I think this is one of the worst promoted cards they've had in a while. Um, but I think talent-wise, other than the top on Parker Porter fight, the the talent's there to this card. I think I'll give it a I'll give it a seven, just because I think it could be a little better. I think the co-main could be better, um, and some of the early prelims are kind of kind of mid. So, um, exciting fights in this card. Probably I like Jamie. Mm. I like Jamie Malarkey. He's one of my favorite fighters. I like I'm looking at the I'm looking at the co-main. This man Josh Emmett is five six, <laughs> fighting. Fighting five eleven Yair Rodriguez. Five eleven kind of slacking too. <laughs> yeah, listen, hey, Volk, Volk's five six fighting five ten Islam, and he's got a longer reach in Islam too. So I mean, and then got one of my favorite fighters too, Tyson Pedro. Tyson Pedro, man. I'm calling he, right now, if Tyson Pedro wins. Set up the Tyson Pedro versus Carlos Oberg fight. And, and listen, it's tough because Tyson Pedro was injured for so long, but everybody seems that he's come back. He's nasty, man. He is very nasty. Uh, trains with Tai Tuivasa. Like, he's good. He's really good. Then we got our boy Jimmy Coop versus Alonzo Menifield. Alonzo Menifield is one of those, one of those corny USC guys. Jimmy Coop. I don't know what to think of Alonzo Menifield, man. Jimmy Crute's good. Jimmy Crute's only issues have been fighting Jamal, which, <laughs> other than Paul Craig, no one's been no one's been able to figure that out. 
And then when his leg got uh got broken against um uh Anthony Smith, which he couldn't do much about that either. So listen, I like Jimmy. Jimmy Cruz still young. Um I don't know, especially fighting in front of that Aussie crowd, man. He's gonna want that bad. He's gonna want that bad. I just and, and men of feel dude, like again, built like Superman doesn't know how to use it all, in my opinion. So I gotta go with Jimmy Crew, man. Then we got the yeah, I'm gonna go just for that. Then we got Justin Topham versus Parker Porter. Why do they feel like I feel like UFC always feel like they need to just throw like a heavyweight fight into the main card, like even if it's the mid fight. Like <laughs> they're like, oh, we need Justin Topham's five and three. We need a heavyweight fight. This man is five and three. I don't. I. Again, I don't know why we put a guy that's five and three into the uh, into the 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 main card. Like he has a loss above Jimmy Crew. Above Jimmy Crew and uh Della 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 Madonna as well. Well, actually, he like fights, he fights over them, I think. Oh, you're no. Oh, oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. I mean, he has lost. The only legitimate loss to a top guy is uh, a loss to Carlos Felipe for Justin Topham. Other than that, he lost to Vanderra, who's 12 and 10, and Jorgen DeCastro. So, listen, nothing against Justin Topham. Big guy. I never doubt these Aussie guys. It's just a bad look to, to put him this high up. Over Tyson Pedro as well, man. I think I think Bukakis and Tyson Pedro earn that spot over top of yeah. to be honest. But I agree with that. Listen, I'm I'm not Hunter Campbell, I'm not Dana White. That's their job. We got one of our other favorite fighters, Jack Della how you say his last name? Della Madalena. Madalena. Where's Randy Brown? Della Madalena, yeah. I like Randy Brown, he's a good fighter, but I got I got Jack. That Jack's a dog, and I don't know, man. Randy, he's tall and long, which is exactly why I won't take him. Because fighters that are that freakishly athletic at 170 don't turn out well. Um, example: Neil Magny against Gilbert Burns, or Neil Magny's whole career. They look good in flashes, but it's just almost like they're too big. For their, yeah, for their thing about Randy Brown is he's only like he doesn't string together like full rounds of being great. He only does like minutes at a time. So mm-hmm. um, then we got the co-main. We got Yair versus Josh Emmett. I don't know why this is the interim title belt. This is really just just been a contender fight. Um, this fight really don't. I mean, it's gonna be a, it's a good fight, but it's not really an exciting fight. I think making this an interim title fight. Um... I listen. I know Holloway's fought three times for the title against Bold. I know, but having an interim title fight without Max Holloway, it doesn't seem right. Calvin Cater, who actually I think beat Josh Emmett. Yeah, yep, yep. Calvin Cater. I know Ortega's injured. Ortega has to stay in that too, in my opinion. Because at the end of the day, I think Ortega smokes Josh Emmett. I don't know about Rodriguez. But I know he smokes Josh Emmett. And I know that Holloway smokes both of these guys, or Harry did in Yair. Well, he didn't really smoke Yair. He smoked, but you know what I mean. He did the Holloway. He just eats every shot and like just hits you even harder. Yeah. And I think Josh Shemmett fighting a guy like Holloway—that's not no bueno, you know. Yeah, I think if it goes to decision, I think Yair wins. If somebody finishes somebody, I think Yair wins. So I got Yair in that fight. I think Yair's going to keep it to the point where Emmett can't even get close to do takedowns. I think Yair's very good at distance management. Um, Some kicks are just nasty. Like he is in, He's him, a world-class kickboxer. Right? Him, Giga, and Fazeev probably had like, the best kicks mm-hmm. in the UFC. I agree. I agree. I think Yair's going to... And the thing is, I think Yair's long overdue for a shot at the title. Um, I think his big... His, my knock on him for that, though, is he didn't fight during COVID. Yeah. During that whole COVID period. I think if he gets one or he if he would have gotten one or two fights in there, probably it's a fighting Holloway or Volkanovski, but hey, it is what it is. Honestly, that Yair versus Volk fight is actually I think that would actually be interesting. I'd like that. Yeah. 
But but the question is, as we go into the next fight, if Volk wins this, does he ever go back down to 145? Yeah, because there's so many fights at lightweight. Like, he so can sell... Fights. He can sell a Benio fight. He can sell a Poirier fight. He can sell an Oliveira Gaethje, fight. Gaethje fight. He can sell a Gaethje fight. Fazeev fight. He can, he can sell a Fazeev. He can sell all these. If AJ McKee ever decides to make the jump from Bellator to UFC, Volkanovski can sell that fight. Like, if Chandler gets a title shot at 55, Vol- like, you got a guy, Volkanovski, where there's more marketable fights for him at 55 than at 45. I don't know if they're better matchups, because um, a lot of these guys are pretty big at 55, but if he can beat Islam, too, he might get Habib out of retirement if he beats Islam. Honestly. I don't see that happening. I, listen, I, listen, I know Habib said he stepped away or whatever, but I mean, if he beats Islam and he does it bad enough, man, who knows? It took Cejudo three years and he came back, you know? I mean, you never know with these guys. I think Volk if there's one person equipped to beat Islam Mahachev, it's Volkanovski. You're talking about a guy in Volkanovski who, for all intents and purposes, is one of the greatest UFC champions. Uh, I, he's not in the rush. He's not in the Mount Rushmore yet, but he's up there. If he, wins this fight, if he wins in this fight, he probably goes like top, probably top five. Maybe he gets. In Listen, there. he's he's not Jose Aldo, but he's past Hollow. I'm gonna leave it at that. Because you look at it, Holloway fought guys like Frankie Edgar and all that in his defense. There's nothing against him. He took the fight. But Volkanovski fought Ortega. He beat Holloway three times. I must say it again for everybody listening. He beat Holloway three times. The second one, he beat Holloway. I know people I think, say it's different. I think he won the second one. I, I, I gave it to Volk. Because the thing is, the championship rounds, man, he put it on Holloway. But and if you go into he, it knowing that he was injured and all these other things, then, you know, you got to put that yeah. in. Yeah. And so the, the thing with that is Volkanovski, talent-wise, too, he can grapple. He's a very underrated grappler. Trains with Craig Jones. Trains at City Kickboxing. He's very good under pressure. He's a terrific striker. Just distance management. His jab is one of the best the sport's ever seen, in my opinion. It's just He's got these meat claw hands, just always hitting your nose, hitting your nose, like, and you can't stop. He has a seventy-one, he has a seventy-one and a half inch reach at five six. That's insane. That is insane. And the man That's walks I think around he kept about most people off guard. His reach. Yeah, he, he walks around about one eighty-five as well. He cuts about forty pounds for fights. Like he's just a ton of muscle on there. I think for Islam, like this, this might be a bigger challenge than Oliveira, honestly. Because Oliveira going into the Islam fight, you can tell mentally he was checked out by the time he got to the eye. I don't think he was checked out. I just think he just played into his hands too much. Like, he's like, all right, you want to play? You want to come into my guard? Go ahead. And I'm like, bro, well, this is uh, this I is say a, that because uh, Oliveira talked about how he felt like he kind of wasn't there for that fight. And you can see it. Like, it's just it, Oliveira's a slow starter, this, that, whatever. Beside the point, I think. Volkanovski just brings a tool set that Islam hasn't seen in the octagon. I can I do I think he can neutralize it? Yeah, I think Islam has the tools for it. But Volkanovski's been there. Volkanovski's done the five round fights. Volkanovski's been to the point of almost tapping and losing his title and fought through it. This is Islam's time to shine. The pressure's on Islam Mahachev. If Volkanovski loses, he's still the second greatest featherweight of all time. And he goes back down defensively. If he wins, Islam Mahachev is going to get looked at as a flash in the pan until he proves himself. Especially in a division like lightweight, if Islam loses, he's not going to rematch for a while. You can't have him skip Benil. You can't have him skip Dustin. You can't have him skip all these guys that are in line for the title. Right. I don't know. For, this, for me, this fight is like 50-50. Like, um, I think if it goes to decision, Hulk wins. And... I see somebody finishing somebody, I think as well as so for me that's fifty fifty, I don't know. Yeah. Well that's the thing with the finish. If there's one person going for a finish this fight, it's Islam. If there's one person that knows how to grind out a five round fight, it's Volkanovski. <clears throat> but that's so. the thing, I don't know if he gets it to five rounds, it's tough, bro. It is, it is, but I think his striking is gonna negate uh Islam. 
uh, rushing, which is tough to do. And his arm's a southpaw, and his striking's no joke either. But, I mean, Alec, Volkanovski started sitting there with Ortega and Holloway. Those are two huge guys. About Mahachev's size and build when it comes to, like, striking and all that. And grappling-wise, listen, that one, I I trust in both takedown defense. Uh, I'm not saying he won't get taken down, but for how big he is and strong he is, it's going to be tough for Machev. People, people probably forget. They need to remember that. Max Holloway fought Poirier at, at lightweight, so Volk's been in there with guys who have fought at lightweight, and that was a mm-hmm. pretty good fight. Max did pretty good against Dustin. I mean, Dustin won, but it right. wasn't like he got destroyed, so... Right, right. It's another point. Another point to make with the size difference. It's really not. He's played rugby for a couple of years too. So, and and the thing is with size difference, size difference in MMA, and I put quotation marks around it. Is people forget like these guys cut weight. By the time fight night hits, most of these guys, if they're built like Volkanovski, they take care of their body, do all that. It's muscle. They're putting on twenty, twenty five pounds of muscle back, with the water being saturated back up. So he's gonna come in heavy for this fight, which is good for him. I think I think one of Volk's struggles was just cutting down the forty five. Not that he struggled to make the weight, it's just your body gets sapped of all the energy during that week of cutting that last week of cutting weight. I think for him it's gonna be an easier weight cut. I think you're gonna see a much healthier looking Volkanovski. And I think I think for Mahachev, I don't know if he this sounds weird if you think about it. Actually, if you think about it, nobody's talking about this, that Islam's going to have to go through a weight cut. You know, he's going to have to look dehydrated on scale. Volk is probably going to come in looking – I mean, he's going to be a little cut, but he's probably going to come in and look pretty healthy. I'm I'm going to put it, something out there because I, I can see it. I think Volk comes into this fight heavier than Mahachev on fight night. I think he comes in heavy. I think he comes – because the thing is, Mahachev cuts less weight than Volkanovski. He doesn't walk around at, like, 185, 190. He stays pretty close to that 155. Like, he was around 170, 170, you know. Volk is, I think Volk's going to come in heavier. I think Volk having to cut less weight, he's just going to pack on muscle for this one. Which, if he does that, you're talking about a guy that he watches little YouTube videos, he's just eating steak. Yeah, and then listen, he's, one of, he's, he's a former rugby player professionally. He doesn't have to, like, learn how to use his body when he gets bigger, kind of like John Jones went up to heavyweight. Like, he knows how to use his body in a bigger stage, like, bigger weight class. I don't know. There's a lot of... That's the beauty of mixed martial arts is all the variables that go into a fight like this that you have to think of. Whether it's an injury, whether it's this. This one's a toss-up. I think it's going to be a good fight. I wish the UFC promoted it better. This part has been promoted horribly. Um, to the point where I even forgot this, this card was happening. To be honest, like I knew it was happening, I didn't know what's happening this dude, but I know they got all their eggs in the basket in the Izzy rematch. So. so, what do you have for fight of the night? So, fight of the night, I'm not gonna give it to Volk Islam. I don't think it'll be fight. I think Madeline and Randy Brown. Yeah, I was about to say yeah, yeah, yeah Madeline versus Randy Brown. Yeah, I think that yeah, that one or Yair. Or the or Jamie Malarkey. Yeah. First, first, I don't know who the guy he's fighting. Francisco Prado. Got to see a picture. I don't know the guy he's fighting. Oh, it's his debut. He's fighting the guy who's, who's, who's zero zero zero. What? No, he's eleven to zero. He's uh, oh. debuting the UFC. Argentinian guy, uh, twenty years old. Kind of twenty year old. Um, guy was a uh, champ in his previous promotion. Uh, Samurai Fight House. Um, I mean, again, 11 and 0. Looks good. Not, not really much big names against the young guy. I think it's a good fight to give Malarkey in his home, yeah. home country. Think about Malarkey, he's just got to tuck that chin, bro. He just hangs his chin too high up in the air. Now that we're done with this card, it is. Time to acknowledge that the great Fedor Emelianenko has retired from mixed martial arts. Um, what do you feel about what Dana said? Bro, I'm getting, I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. Listen, Fedor fought great guys in Pride. Fedor also fought absolute trash cans in Pride. Um, 
I think for Fedor Emelianenko, uh, he's not the GOAT. That's that's number one. He's not the GOAT. People need to stop that. Two, bro, him not coming to the UFC is... It, it, it's funny to me. Like, he had... Dana offered all the money in the world. His manager, who Dana calls Vadummy, which was Vadim, uh, whatever his name is, messed up the deal. They were going to do the Lesnar-Milianenko fight. Never happened. Fedor then gets beat in strike force by Fabrizio Verdum, which was beautiful. That I think for Fedor, it's he lived off the legacy of pride, but then when the pride match fixing scandals came out and stuff, it kind of took away from him. Yeah, Fedor did a lot for mixed martial arts. We should be thankful for that. He's one of the greatest of all time. I just think that the more time goes on, the more you kind of see through the legend of Fedor as not being as great as people made it out to be, you know. And I think sending doing a send-off fight for a world title against Ryan Bader, Ryan Bader was gonna eat him up like he did. But and I think Bellator needs to stop like if they want to grow at the promotion, they need to stop trying to like let's get like I don't know. They need to develop their own fighters like how the UFC does and bring in some young talent like mm-hmm. AJ McKee and stuff like that. Like the AJ McKee route is the best route to go. Versus bringing in these older fighters, these legends, and trying to have them. Let's just set up a legend versus a legend, give them a title fight. Well, that was the issue the UFC had for a bit after the Pride merger, was the fact that it's kind of what Bellator's going on now, where you have a few young guys that you built at home, that you build around, which were, whether it was the Pimple Brothers, Michael Chandler, um, AJ McKee, like guys that came up to the organization. But then you have a mix of just fossils fighting for the that was the problem that the UFC had until they kind of filtered out Vanderlei Silva's of the world and all that dude because some of the guys that Bellator has fighting right now like other than Yoel Romero nobody in their 40s should be fighting Bellator I'm, I'm gonna be honest no other than Yoel man and it, Yoel off the TRT yeah yeah man and, and and the issue is it's like you can't expect to. Grow. I think at this point, PFL is more enjoyable to watch than Bellator. To be honest, like they got young guys there, they got really good guys as well. Bellator is just hit or miss, man. You watched the car. I watched a couple Bellator cards, and outside of the main and co-main event, it was horrible to watch. You have to promote well. You have to build the talent, and and they lose talent a lot. They lose a lot of talent now. Not even just the UFC anymore. It's just you know. PFL. PFL's been taking a lot of their guys. And stuff, so. I don't know, man. Listen, Bellator, and it's not like Bellator is broke. People have this concept that Bellator is the little brother. That's that's not true. Bellator has backing from CBS Viacom. They have backing from a multi-billion dollar broadcasting company. So Bellator has no excuse to not have fighters and not have talent on their roster. So, I mean, it's like you're saying. They need to, they need to build their roster, man. It's an issue. Tough announcement for Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler. People were complaining on Twitter. I seen people were complaining about saying that it should have been Conor versus T. Ferg, but I think Michael Chandler was the one to make. Okay. All right. First off, to to all you out there that wanted T. Ferg coaching this, bro, the man thought he had a microchip plant in his leg. I don't. No thing. No. <laughs> no. Let's stop. Listen. But listen, we we're not we're not. We're not doing this, bro. Because I'm gonna tell T-Ferg you, T. Right. Ferg at 170, though. T. Ferg at 170. Oh, bro. that's great. Imagine T. Ferg trying to coach his team. He'd be having to do stress balls, standing on one leg, bro, like channeling some chi or something. Like, no, no, I, I. Come on, bro. You gotta show that GVSU. Come on, we're from Grand Rapids, bro. You gotta show that GVSU. Bro, one, he's from Muskegon, and then he reps Cali as well. So, like, that's that. Listen, whatever, bro. He 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 wrestled at GV. That's great. Listen. I'm going to keep it a buck with Tony first. Before we go to Chandler and Tom, he shouldn't be coaching tough. I think Tony should be retired at this point. It is what it is. He's washed. His seat, the, the CT is kicking. You can, you can tell, like, his brain isn't there in interviews. It's not there when he fights. It's worrying. I'm saying that for the man's health. I'm not trying to diss the man. It's just not there. He shouldn't be coaching a season of tough. I think a him and Connor fight sells less than a him and Chandler fight. Because... Oh, yeah. For us as purists, 
we know Michael Chandler, the world-level, multi-time world champion, mixed martial arts. Now everybody gets to see the dry personality of Michael Chandler. Not dry in a bad way. I mean dry as in, like, he's articulate. Compared to Connor. Compared to Connor. He's, he's articulate. He studies. He's very, very articulate talking about the fight game. But also, Michael Chandler doesn't really make jokes. He's very serious. He's very dedicated to his craft. And then you're going to have Connor the Showman, where Connor, you don't know what you're going to get with Connor. Connor might be smashing a cell phone. Connor might be smashing a model. Connor might be smashing something, a window with a dolly. Connor smashing something. <laughs> you just don't know what you're going to get with Connor McGregor. And now that he's on the steroids, you don't know what Connor, you're going to get with Connor McGregor. It's perfect TV, in my opinion. You got two guys, two different schools of thought when it comes to the fight game. One's out here getting tatted all the time, partying out in the in the tropics. And, and he's earned that. Connor's earned that. Don't get me wrong. It's just the clashing of styles. I love it. I love it more than the Tony Ferguson one. I think it's going to be a better fight as well than the Tony Ferguson fight. Um, but I do think if they were going to put Connor on tough, they missed a chance to re-sign Nate and do Connor versus Nate on tough and give us the third fight. Yeah, that would actually have been legendary. That would have sold yeah. more than any of these, right? That would have sold more than anything ever. <laughs> right. Which brings us to the other thing that we talked about. You have, like, Nate Diaz, like, um, coaching his guys while smoking. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz wouldn't co- do no coaching either, though. Yeah, well, well you'd be shocked, dude. Have you seen Nate Diaz's coaching stuff? Like, but that's like I feel like if he fucks with you, then yeah. But well, his B, his BJJ coach, for like, example, like Nate Diaz's BJJ coach, it's just you say glued to what he's saying. Like he's he's a he's a he's a surprisingly good coach. He does a lot of uh uh, uh stuff at Chrome uh um sorry Chrome Gracie's academy through Caesar Gracie. But uh, which brings me to the other thing we talked about earlier. All right, this fight is. We're in February. This fight is six months out. Connor has to be in the USADA testing pool for six months, and he's not in there yet. He's being jacked, bro. Bro, the listen, the amount of estrogen blockers this man is pumping into his body right now if you sign that contract, man. <laughs> he's taking he looks he, like he transgenders at the fucking gym. Bro, he is taking more dick pills than John Jones and Anderson Silva put together right now. Um, I'm just <laughs> It is what it is. Yes, Connor is on steroids. This is this is the thing. I, I need everybody listening to understand something. Connor McGregor is not the Connor McGregor you remember from six years ago. The guy got the game past him, passed him by style wise because he stopped fighting and tried to do boxing and sell whiskey and all that. So the man had to take a bunch of steroids to try to beef up to a level he could compete at because he couldn't do featherweight. Right? That's for the casual. Yeah, it started with the injury, which injury yeah, which he says that Dustin didn't cause. I don't know. I saw a bunch of leg checks. So I mean, you tell me. They said that he had like a fractured MRI from before the fight. Yeah, tell that to tell that to Dustin Shin. That's all I'm gonna say. I still don't count that fight. I still don't count that. I mean, Dustin was winning that fight regardless, like before the stop. He was winning before stopping, but which which in this listen, Dustin Poirier is a great striker, but at one point Connor was miles above him as a striker, which begs the question: What happened to Connor? You know, Connor McGregor, the legend of Connor McGregor, which is something eventually I do want to make a video talking about, like the whole thing. The man never defended the title. He earned his title shot at Aldo. Never gave Aldo a rematch. Never defended the featherweight belt. Lost to Nate Diaz right after. Then rematched Diaz, fought Floyd, fought Eddie Alvarez, didn't defend the lightweight belt, loses to Habib. He's all over the place. Yes, he sells. Yes, he's entertaining to watch. But legacy-wise, like, I think Conor's getting to the point where, personally, I'm sick of Conor. I'm sick of Conor McGregor and the legend people throw around him. He's not a top five. No, no, no. He is not a top five fighter of all time. That people people like to put him up there. He's not. He is... One of the most influential fighters of all time, if not the most influential. But in terms of greatness, where's Connor's greatness? The double champ thing was a sham. You're not the champ until you defend the belt, in my opinion. So to not defend the belt, to then fight Nate Diaz at 168 and lose, to do is it's just it's not cute. Oh, he beat Donald Cerrone when he came back. Dude, Donald Cowboy Cerrone doesn't move his head, and he was a CTE zombie at that point. 
It happens. It, it, it is what it is. It is what it is. We got to say it for what it is. Dang, you caught him a CT. We got to say it for what it is. Donald Cerrone, for all his good things he has, does not move his head and stop being a good fighter when he, after he beat Alexander Hernandez. It's just so for this for this Chandler fight, do you like it at one seventy or do you think it should have been at one fifty five? I think at one seventy it's it's good for Connor, obviously, because he's bigger now. I think it's gonna be even better for Chandler. Because yes, Chandler's short ish. I don't know, I'll say that. I would say lightweight was better for Chandler. I think welterweight. I think Gaz is better like more weight means his punch is going to have more power. He has a better chance of turning his life. Yeah, but at the same time, Chandler at 170 is a scary proposition for how strong he is. Dude. Did he fight 170 in Bellator? I, I don't know if he had any fight. He probably did have some fights in 170. I know. Here's the thing, though. He trained with Kamaru for the longest. And him and Kamaru, like, that was his sparring partner, was Kamaru. So he's used to, like, training with 170-pounders. And his level of wrestling, like... It could cause a problem for Connor if you got a guy that big and that talented trying to grapple with you. You know, like I'm not saying Yeah, it gives me Chad Mendes it gives me Chad Mendes vibes. Yeah, 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 kind of. I mean, to be fair, Chad was piecing him up before he gassed out in that fight too. So I mean what I'm saying it's gonna be I think something similar. I think Chandler's winning and if he doesn't put him away then I think Connor finds. I just don't see Chandler putting away Connor. Like I just can't see a way he finishes him. I'm gonna be honest with you. So I think if it goes, I I don't. But at the same time, Connor's chin hasn't been the same since. And when they, yes, he only had one fight after he got knocked out by Dustin. But even then, before he broke his like Connor looked timid in that. He looked like he he didn't know what to do. Like he was just trying to avoid shots. And listen, Chandler might not be a striker, but he finds a way to land. Even if he's getting hit, he finds a way to land. I don't know if Connor. But he always gets hit. That's the thing. He always gets hit. And if Connor hits him, I think he can put his lights out. He's gotten hit by Charles Oliveira. He's gotten hit by everybody. Yep. Uh, yep. Gaethje, Poirier, everybody's gotten, gotten a good hit, shot on him. I just think if Connor gets a good shot, it's just not going to be good for him. Yeah. I mean,. We'll see Dustin ate Connor shots. Like Charles Oliveira, Charles Oliveira put his lights out with the hook. Yeah. But I mean Connor Dustin ate Connor shots. So he said that when he hit him that he was the hardest hit he ever took in his life. Yeah. Well and and Chandler ate Gaethje shots, which says a lot. Because personally I think Gaethje, in a way, Connor's more accurate. Gaethje hits harder. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. It's going to be a great fight. I think uh, this tough season is probably going to be the most watched one in a long time. Probably since Connor and Faber. Yeah, I'm watching, I'm watching every episode because you just don't oh, know yeah, what you're going to get. Since Connor and Faber, this is going to be the most watched what, tough. What do you think he's gonna, his demeanor is going to be? He's going to come braggadocious, See, ego, or you think he's going to come friendly? That's what I mean by you don't know what to expect with Connor. Are we going to have the nice Connor that we had for the second Fourier fight? Or are we going to have the out-of-control Connor for the Habib fight and the third Dustin fight? I don't know. I think with the way Michael Chandler is, I think Connor will be, like, alpha male trying to impose himself. I just, I don't think he's going to be extremely disrespectful. But then again, you never know. You never know what's gonna happen. He's gonna be calling him like he's gonna be calling him little fella. Yeah, yeah. And listen, this might this Wait, how much this might bring out a dark side in uh in, in Chandler as well. Connor's got a tendency of doing that, just bringing out a dark side in some of the guys he fights or whatever. Oh, I would love to see that, like the dark side of Chandler getting brought out by Connor. And here's and here's the thing with Connor: like a, a beef a beef fight. I've seen how much people have talked about Michael Chandler. Um, like as a dad with him adopting his kids or whatever and stuff, which personally I love that he does that. More respect to him. But Connor's already shown that family's not off limits when he talks when he talks about fighters. He's like, you got some little black kids. And that's the thing, like you you it's Connor. You don't know if he's gonna stay there or not. 
And the thing is, like, I'm, the way Michael Chandler carries himself as a man, as a dad, as all this stuff, like, listen, you don't know. You don't know. I mean, dude, Connor had the nerve to call Habib's wife a, a towel. Like, that's that. He said Desert Poirier's wife was DM. <laughs> yeah. And I think she was. Wasn't she really in DM? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love Talk neither confirmed nor denies that report. We'll let you look at the, up the screenshots for yourself. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, shout out Jolie Poirier, man. Um, his, his tweet where he's like, tough on my sons, it'd be so funny if he like, retweets. He's like, you might be my Yeah, son. and then Michael Johnson retweeted all my grandchildren because he beat Dustin Poirier. But, um... Which is fun fact for all you listening. Michael Johnson is the only person to ever drop Kamaru Usman that's not named Leon Edwards. Yeah. That's insane. Michael Johnson, hey, I'm telling you, I want to see if Gacy loses this fatigue fight, I want to see that rematch, bro. <laughs> bro, why. did Gacy get his nose fixed or not finally? Like. I mean, he's fighting, so I guess he, he probably, I think he did. I don't know. Let's, I'm going to be honest with you. If Gaethje loses to, to uh, Fazeev or whatever, it might be Curtis for him being a league fighter. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, it's going to be tough because you got, what did he have lost him with Poirier? He has lost to Charles. He has Olivera. lost to Habib. Oh. I think he would lose to Benil. I don't think he can beat Benil. I don't think he can beat Darzukian. Yeah. And nobody wants to talk about him. Yeah. He's like, he's probably next in line after Benil, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's all the topics we have for this for episode one. We had to redo it, but, you know, we got it in for y'all. Listen, man. Everything talk. for the fans, for the content, for the culture. That's what we're here for. Keep tuning in to us. Peep the Instagram. Keep tuning in to ESPN. Plus. Go watch USC. Go watch Bellator. Go watch PFL. Keep watching the greatest sport in the world. All you can do is learn and enjoy it. If you like the video, you know, drop a like, share that motherfucker, go subscribe on Instagram. We we post memes on Instagram. We post hey, reels. Speaking of a meme, fun fact: Conor McGregor has a brown belt Brazilian jiu-jitsu under John Kavanaugh. How much of that proper whiskey money went towards buying that? <laughs> if Conor McGregor's a brown belt, no, no, no. If Conor McGregor's a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, bro, I have a red belt in capoeira, bro, red rope, whatever. No. No, bro. Connor's Connor's jujitsu is like me trying to do squats on deadlifts. No, no. <laughs> All right, I just needed y'all to know that. Like John John Kavanaugh teaching nice. jujitsu, bro, is like a blind person trying to teach you how to do crosswalks. That's all. That's all I gotta say on yeah, that. Yes, John Kavanaugh, I'm coming right at you. You stuck as a coach. Anyway, so we're gonna leave it at that. First episode, we'll see y'all for episode number two on Sunday. Tune in next Sunday, yo.